lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Totters and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. Our good friend Shannon Joy from New York State will be joining us here momentarily as we get set to kick off the Dace Group in Un Momento. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Try liking us, and we emphasize try. Liking us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for samples of this program that you can share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Speaking of that Facebook page, Twitter account, and that email address, we'll be getting to some of the responses and feedback you've given us next hour of the show with the Feedback Friday to close things out. But before we get there, it is time to take a look back at the week that was. It is time for the Day Group. Undeterred by billowing clouds of coronavirus-infested air, we will maintain decorum and tradition on this program where the Dace Group is concerned, at least as far and as long as I'm in charge of it. Therefore, we begin with a tradition unlike any other. Issue one, bleep, Democrats say. I'm certainly not saying this to disturb anybody, but this is the reality we seem to be facing. If healthcare professionals don't have the, the safety supplies they need, then our healthcare professionals go down, and then suddenly an overtaxed emergency room and an mm-hmm. overtaxed hospital and overtaxed healthcare system collapses. But like, it's a virus, I get it, like, I respect it, but at the same time, like, even if everybody gets it, like, yeah, people are going to die. It's just terrible, but like, inevitable. We must make sure that companies that get bailouts are required to sell equity to the government and put workers on their board of directors. At least one White House official who used the term Kung Flu, referring to the fact that this virus started in China. Is that acceptable? Is it wrong? Are you worried that that having this virus be, uh, be talked about as as a Chinese virus, that that might I wonder who said that. that. You know who said that? that? I'm not sure the person's name, but would you condemn used, the fact that Say the, the term again. The, a person at the White House used the term just the Kung term. Flu. My question is, do Kung you think flu. that's wrong? Kung Flu. And do you think using the term Chinese virus, that puts Asian Americans at risk, that people no, might target them? Trump, meanwhile, has a catchy little nickname for the coronavirus. He now calls it the Chinese virus every chance he gets. You know, they say a great way to prevent a virus from spreading is to name it something racist. It's easy to scapegoat people, and that is what has always happened when there have been pandemics or epidemics uh, that 
foreigners are are attacked. Foreigners sometimes physically attacked. Uh, if you look at what happened uh, during the, the Middle Ages, there was lots and lots of scapegoating uh, against an ethnic group or a religious group uh, whenever there were pandemics that affected the society and frightened a lot of people. And China certainly feels that is what happened. What is happening now, uh, with people calling it the the Wuhan flu or the Wuhan virus or the the China virus? This is a virus that came from the territory of China, but came from bats. This is a bat virus, not a, uh, a China virus. Uh, it doesn't speak Chinese. It doesn't target Chinese people. Uh, it targets human beings who happen to touch their eyes, nose, or or mouth. It's a very racist term. If you care so much about naming things where they came from, then call it bat bite fever. It is your view that this can be safely conducted tomorrow. Who, who have you been consulting to come to that view? Well, again, I, we didn't intervene in that case. No, I know. I, I, this it. is a state matter, yeah. but I'm asking your position sure. as Tom Perez, the head of DNC. Sure. My, my understanding is you're saying you agree with the states that are going forward. Yes, we, we respect what they're doing. Again, the point I'm making is uh, there's a broader issue here. And that broader issue is we ought to make it easier for people to vote. Let's get to it. First question, Todd, this goes to you. What was your favorite way to eat spaghetti through a straw this week, my friend? What do you think? Steve, you know that saying you have, no one can rise above their own worldview? Yes. It's as if, as God spoke the earth into existence, the thing you've been talking about is they are, they are now statues the 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 fact that all of these people in this moment are incapable of doing the come together thing and you see how many it's not just one they are all going to the well now we, we can't leave racism behind we have to double down we have to triple down we it is it is only going to get worse in this moment not better which just goes to show you the things we've been saying in the past my progressivism is cancer it is virulent. That's the. It is. It is way more out of control than coronaviruses, and I don't know how many there are. There are at least five examples from uh, Hollywood to the press to the politicians. Stay on target. Stay on target. They are now wholly consumed. They are showing you by this worldview. Uh, I think it was actually Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> I think that was probably my favorite ride. Because of all of those clips, even though she doesn't mean it like this, and it's really, really hard, really, there's no good way to communicate this. That's as close, and I'm not saying it's a good job, but that's as close to coming to adulting in that clip, guys. She just sounded like Miss Teen South Carolina. She, yeah, yeah, she just sounded- She should have ended it with, and some adults, they don't have maps anyway, yes, right? yeah, yeah. In the Iraq like, and like, so on. Like, yes. and thus, such as, um, <laughs> that she was the close- closest i would say to adulting in that entire montage because you know what viruses viruses do kill people it, it's just that i think probably her motivations were uh, probably not what you know what i'm foisting upon them right now but I, I i maintain that she was as close albeit clumsily and accidentally to being an adult in that entire montage <laughs> yeah isn't it she should be in that montage of Hollywood singers singing Imagine. Imagine all the people. Well, then they'd have somebody who can actually sing. Die yeah. inevitably. Yeah, I, it's kinda, <laughs> it was kind of surreal for me watching that. I mean, you've got daughters. I can't tell you how many nights I came home back in the day from work. Fire up the family karaoke machine with Anna and then later Zoe singing high school musical karaoke. I mean, those movies, and that's where she essentially became a name was through those films. I mean, th those movies were, you know, 
omnipresent practically in our house. And, and she was such a sweetie and such a darling. And then to just listen to her sound like she's a, she's a 46 IQ. I, I, it just, wow. Shannon, what's your favorite? I have to go with the collective rhetoric from Democrats uh, regarding the calling the call, Trump calling it the Chinese virus, right? So they're crying crocodile tears over potential racism and Chinese people feeling feeling bad or being triggered by you know that term. Meanwhile, uh, the vicious and horrific and frankly dehumanizing rhetoric that the same people will use to describe anti-vaxxers, which is happening right now in my state. Um, I was on a Twitter feed with a, a pretty um, uh, popular uh, radio host, and I had people saying that because I was questioning mass vaccination and forced vaccination, that I should be put in jail, that I should be taken off the air. And right here in New York State, uh, people in organizations who believe in bodily autonomy, informed consent, and parental rights uh, are terrified of a bill that we think is going to be passed in the midst of all of this, which is called A99. And I call it the concentration camp bill because it empowers Andrew Cuomo uh, with, it, it, through executive orders to, to collect, it, collect up groups of individuals or individuals without due process, without them having committed a crime, and remove them from their homes or where they live and place them into state detention indefinitely. Uh, they mentioned 90 days, but it's vague as to when people can ever get out. Um, they do not have right to counsel. They do not have right to con uh, contact friends or family. In the text of the bill, uh, those two rights are only uh, given if feasible, I believe was the wording that they used. And so this legislation is ready to go. They drafted it a year ago. Everyone wondered why. And so when you talk about, um, you know, really going after a group of people, um, it's not based on on your ethnicity. It looks like it's going to be based on whether or not you believe you have a right to control what happens to your own body. Let's get to the exit question. I'm not even sure how to follow up with that, so I won't even try. Exit question on a scale of one to 10, with one being Mitt Romney's lame, profoundly religious claim, and 10 being Lindsey Graham's preference for illegal aliens over Americans which is, I think we all understand, a deep abiding conviction of Mr. Gramnesty. Rate this week's level of infection. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, this week, I think, you know what, I, I think the, the race, everything is racism thing. I mean, that, that, was, that, was, that was basically the montage. So it's got to be around a 7.5, because usually it's just the fly-by-night, uh, that's racist, that's right. No, no, in unison, in unison, Chinese coronavirus, Wuhan coronavirus, that's racist. So that's I, impressive. I, it, it is. The fact, I just have, for the most part, refused to take part in this conversation because I just think we've got a few other big picture things to worry about. But the fact that this continues to be an issue and that it is the press that wants to continue to, you know, finally some, uh, you know, Trump is the devil guy. I can't, I don't know who it was on MSNBC tweeted out begging the media to stop asking him this because he like wants Trump to lose. He, he said, Hey, do you understand that all you guys are doing is giving him campaign commercials? You, he, he, he loves the fact you want to keep asking about this. You look dumb. You're helping him stop Todd. That's why it's a nine. Mm. Shannon, what's your answer this, this week? Everything's a 10 for me this week. 
So with what's going on here in New York, I mean, everything's a 10. It's- That's why I wasn't sure how to follow up what you said before, because you went right to 10. I, I write. And I hadn't even warmed up yet, you know, and I kind of, fe- I, I, I told Skip, I, I, I think she's got plenty in the tank. You don't need to call me out of the bullpen right now. I'm just going to go sit back in the dugout. So I didn't really know what to say. I just told Skip I'm going to sit back down, let, uh, let, uh, let the Haas here. He's got, a few, he's got a few innings in him. He's ready to go. Let's go to issue two. Render unto Caesar. With the specter of the Wuhan coronavirus facing virtually every facet of Americans' lives, churches have had to face some tough decisions. Many have obeyed government recommendations to limit gatherings to no more than a set number. At least one pastor, however, is bucking that trend. Bishop Paul Morton of the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship in Atlanta has been encouraging churches to remain open. He sent out a series of tweets this week, one of which said, quote, No matter how bad things get in shutting down a city in a crisis, at least two entities have to remain open, hospitals and police departments, but God's church must be on that list, the spiritual hospital, the spiritual police department. Don't cancel out God. We can't do it without him. He later added, Would you tell all doctors and nurses, police officers, first responders to close all hospitals and police stations that deal with crisis? If not, don't tell God's first spiritual responders what to do about this spiritual and natural crisis. The church can't hide like unbelievers in a crisis. So I've gotten, here's why I included this topic. I have gotten a lot of questions from our audience about this. And with again, with everything else going on, haven't really had a chance to tackle this. My own church, in interest of full disclosure, is really struggling with what to do with this um, because it puts a huge emphasis on community outreach. That's a major part of our ministry, uh, is leaving our doors open no matter what um, for the community. And our church decided when our governor issued this encouragement, I think is what she calls them, or suggestions, uh, our church did not abide by it last Sunday, thought it was too late, and put a video out and said, hey, if you're planning on coming to church, come on in, and we'll decide what to do after that. Um, Has decided this week to do it digitally over Facebook Live, but on a week-to-week basis is kind of deciding what to do and what to think about it, because, as you know, and our pastors come to me with some information on it and what to do about it, because he doesn't trust, like, any of the media at all, and... He would kind of like a take beyond, uh, you know, what he, well, what most people see is orange man, bad Cheeto, Jesus saves media. So, and I've gotten a lot of emails asking about this. So let's discuss it. First question goes to you, Mr. Erzin. Is Bishop Morton a bold minister of the gospel or is he in violation of Romans 13, which says to respect the civil authority and the civil authority says, Hey, you could be putting people at risk with an air, with a communicable uh, respiratory delivered contagion. What do you think? Uh, it it really depends. There's the level of ministry. No ch- no church currently, and the way things uh, look with this particular pandemic in America, should be shutting its doors completely. The level of ministry that it conducts is a 24-7 operation, any, any church worth its salt. It's not simply uh, Sunday at appointed time. So e- even if you're deciding to not have services where groups of 10 or more or 50 or more, whatever the number, that, that's part of the problem, too, are going to go on. 
this the doors should be open to various level of minions. They must be open in that sense. He's absolutely right. I mean, the, here I stand. I can do no other. I mean, the the book of Acts needs to come alive right now more than ever before. It, in and there's a lot of Catholics right now who are confused. Well, the the, the mass is said to all the angels and saints as well well right now, which means the Mass is continuing to be said by loyal and faithful priests everywhere to an audience of no one, even if they're not broadcasting it. It's being said, and thus there is, uh, I mean, there's an opportunity, particularly during Lent, to to simply pour yourself into that, headfirst into that sacrifice, uh, instead of various levels of neuroses. So you've got me going stream of consciousness on that. I don't. I listen. Well, I, I think I think all of these dilemmas yeah. are stream of consciousness because we're we we have entered the cultural mutara nebula. We're we're funneling. You know, our, yeah. our sensors are off. What we've used used what we're used to using to track our destination doesn't but, apply right now because this is a a, a, a unique a unique circumstance. But here's my my final point. While I, you know what I think about this, and I just said it yesterday. You know if if. If we filled a restaurant right now with people 60 and under in, in relatively good health, there would be nothing to worry about. Therefore, I believe the same about uh, a church. But this is where, Steve, you've you talked about um, do we eat meat sacrifice to idols or not? Mm-hmm. This is a time for us as Christians to heed that advice. People are freaked out and irrationally so, and we should ask all the right questions. But I do think it is probably prudent in terms of weighing the balance of how we witness to the culture at large, the the spiritual calm we can provide, we must provide, an opportunity to imbue grace into society. I think it's probably smart that large crowds are not going to church on Sunday because it'll open up other opportunities and people will not simply be pointing fingers at that one thing and that one thing alone. Okay. So Aaron, the whole debate about Romans 13, just to reset that Paul says to give honor to those Mm -hmm. who honor are due, right? That it, and so it's not a universal edict just to do whatever the state says. And we've had this conversation how many times over the years? Correct. Chances are we'll have to have it upteen more because of the era in which we live. But if Paul believed that, then Nero would have had no reason to behead him. There were there were things Nero commanded that Paul refused to comply with, right? So the question comes down to really what Paul is really saying there is the civil authority acting as the godly authority it is called to be. When it is, obey what they have to say, all right? When it's a gray area, probably obey what they have to say. But when they're clearly outside of the realm of godly authority, you are not to obey what they have to say, and you are to obey God instead of man. Which of those three realms do you think the civil authority is in right now when it comes to telling the church to stay home during COVID-19, at least based on what we know right now? Right now, I would say it's firmly in the third in the third realm, to be completely honest, uh, and that that was my gut to to go into to this uh, going into this question is that I, I think he's more along the lines of a bold minister uh, than anything, but we won't know that for sure unless we knew a pastor like that's motivations. And the reason why I I would say now and I emphasize now is because a week ago at this time there was still a little bit of fuzziness at least in my mind of of just what this thing was, just what this virus was. I think there's a lot more that we at least 
uh, at least know now to where you can make some smart decisions but still carry on everyday life. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you, you know, encourage? Uh, my, my church did that last uh, Sunday before they basically uh, shut things down and went to online only. Uh, encourage elderly people to stay home. You know, why Why can't smart measures be put in place like that to where if you are most at risk, then you need to stay home? But the draconian, uh, increasingly draconian measures that are being put in place, I just fear, especially with the state of the church the way it is right now, to where when it comes to a day when they say you must stay home uh, from church on uh, transgender story hour pride day mm-hmm. because you don't agree with this and it's a public health emergency because you're going to hurt people's feelings by going to church. They're going to twist something some way that, that I'm just, I'm throwing out a, 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 hi, a hyperbolic, uh, example. It's going to be easier, a lot easier. If you just go along with all of these, uh, orders, uh, if you don't think them through first. So I would have said last week, even, Probably a gray area this week, not so much in my mind. I think your two answers are really insightful, and you're on the opposite side. So Todd is concerned essentially about wrong— What I hear you saying, Todd, is you are concerned about inciting the culture against the church at this moment. Like letting the church be set up as Nero gets to blame us for the fire he started, right? The the government didn't protect us from this in the first place with all of its damn open borders and unfettered immigration, right? And then at the end, if they can't contain it as fast, and when people start to turn on them because they want their way of life back, they're going to look for a scapegoat. Why don't they say, hey, everybody everybody obey this except those crazy Christians who kept getting together at their megachurches. You're you're concerned about that, And I'm willing to give that, you know, Two to three weeks, for sure. I think that's an insightful take. I think Aaron's concern about the precedent this sets going forward. I mean, does anybody, would anybody be shocked if a year from now, Governor Newsom in California decided that getting together at John MacArthur's church was a public health risk because he's preaching out of Romans 1? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, I do. And so I think both of you have very insightful views of of, of this, because again, man, we're we are trying to navigate something. We're just other other eras of Christendom face these dilemmas all of the time. As Americans, Christians, we've never really faced stuff like that. So, Shannon, what do you think? Now you're going to get to be the deciding vote here. Well, it's it's an an agonizing question, and it's one that is happening at my church and churches all over New York State. I mean, we have been dictated uh, through legislation and Andrew, well, the emergency action that uh, you can't have. Uh, service. You can have, I think it's over 50 uh, groups of 50. And so it's, it's virtually impossible to even have church services. But it, I think the problem here is the question about what this is, right? Because that's what I have been struggling with, even with my own program. Uh, the, the lack of real information in the massive amount of propaganda and groupthink mm-hmm. that is building up into hysteria. And I'm not sure if you guys are getting this in other states, but when you have a situation where there's a lockdown in a state and people are absolutely, absolutely crazy, they are confused, they are scared. I mean, this is what I'm hearing from all of my neighbors. Everyone, everyone is shell-shocked. No one knows 
what is going on? And then you have the Republicans nationally saying that this is bio-warfare from China. You have the Democrats saying um, from their publications it could kill 1.5 million people. Yesterday it only affected elderly. Now you have news reports coming out saying it, it can affect children. We are locked in our homes. We are getting increasingly locked in our homes. As they, I, I'm expecting pretty soon that they are going to, going to be rolling out a shelter-in-place type of situation where we can't even go outside. Um, you know, this is, so, so for the churches, to have a church service would literally unleash the gates of hell. I mean, it's almost like rabid dog. I mean, and I'm feeling it as someone who has spoken out against forced vaccination, forced medical interventions, and, and you know, we've been organized in this state, but I don't even know where to go with this because, because I don't know. Right. I mean, it's, it is like a it, you go back and forth and back and forth. It's like it's messing with your head, all of the propaganda. And so what I am saying, what I'm praying for myself and what I'm saying, this has to be an individual decision made by each church. And it has to be done through um, the reading of the scripture, the meditating upon upon scripture, constant prayer and divine revelation from the Holy Spirit for at least for me. That is the only way at this point I'm holding in place. I am really feeling in my spirit that I just need to wait on the Lord and just wait and watch and observe because um, I don't know. I know that the church has had to face pandemics or what we used to call plagues in the past, right? Um, there's, there's ample examples of that. But I'd, if you look, it, it wasn't, I don't, I was, did they ever just close, right? Like the, the ranks would just, would, would greatly, could be greatly diminished by what was going on in that community. But, and the reason I'm looking at you is because even though there was a plague going on in the early days of the Reformation, most of these would have been plagues yeah. during the time that Rome was the center of Christianity exclusively, with the exception of Constantinople, right? So did they just, did, did priests just stand up and say, hey, whoever can come, come? Or did, was it ever so bad that I would imagine like if, if, you know, the archdiocese was crushed, then they would have to close a service. But that's different than a public safety, public health situation. Do you know the answer to that? I don't well, know. I think it's quite the opposite. That's And that was my point about, you know, all the ministries within a church. It's not, it's a 24-7 enterprise. The church, by definition, is never closed. Even in you lock up the building, yeah. the church is the people. They always have work to do. So during those plagues, it was those ones where, you, and it's the embodiment of what has been spoken of since the very earliest days of Christendom. See how they love one another? That's, mm. That's reported by Josephus, if I'm not mistaken, a non-Christian. I think that's the first time we yeah, know that. Yeah. But it's reported by, like, this is something different's going on. And so now, right now, you're going to see opportunity, even if they're not showing up as an entire flock on Sunday, maybe the point of not doing so is to preserve your opportunities to spread salt and light in all other manner of existence. I, see, I, this is the—I think it, I don't think you can—I think you have to have an open conversation about this and game plan it out. Because there's another angle to this that I don't have time to get into in depth, but— our charismatic and Pentecostal brothers are going to be like, I thought healing was part of the ministry of the gospel. So we're going to tell people at a time that there's a, there's a pandemic. Don't, don't come and have hands laid on you. Don't have people pray for you. 
you know, don't don't have the ministry of the saints, uh, you know, from a healing perspective and ask for God to intervene that we're going to do that now. That's right. a whole other can of worms conversation aspect of this, because as you just said, there's more there's more. The church does more than just open your Bibles, too. And, and let's talk. Right. There's there, this is a holistic form of ministry. There's a lot that goes in that goes into this, not to mention they're concerned about being able to meet basic needs. We're cutting checks left and right to get to people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can think of a few institutions that have all kinds of infrastructure stored up to meet basic needs. You know what those are called? Churches, okay? Particularly large large sects of the church, like the Catholic Church, like Southern Baptists, okay? Where those are the two largest church movements in America. And the amount of infrastructure that they have at their disposal, they're among the first to mobilize when there's a Katrina or a disaster. There's a lot of tentacles to this, a lot. Um, Let's get to the exit question. Let's go more meta with with the exit question. True or false, we will eventually see a pastor arrested for holding a church service in violation of coronavirus precautions. Aaron. False. Todd. True. Shannon. Um, true. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many would be willing to defy it, number one. But, I mean, if, if, you know, if you're Bishop Morton, and if, if you're in a state like Georgia, and you you want to ever win public office again, and you arrest a pastor for having a church service. But it's not going to be like this guy. He's not going to be respected. It's going to be somebody that's Some easy jo- to caricature. Yeah, and make fun Fred of everybody. Phelps. Fred Phelps. It's going to be like that. All right. So somebody who's clearly orthodox. Let me let me put it finer point on it. Somebody who's who's preaching and teaching is clearly orthodox. True or false still? Todd, quickly. I'll go false. Shannon, true or false quickly? True. I'm still false. Okay. We'll come back. We're going to get more into what Shannon is going through living in New York State because it is one of of the three epicenters of coronavirus in America. We're going to do that when we come back here on The Dace Group here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. Let's get back here to the Dace Group Roundtable, our weekly look at the week that was. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and New York talk show host Shannon Joy. He's going to take center stage here with this third topic because we're going to get to issue three, life in government protection. New York State has been one of the ground zeros for the spread of the coronavirus in the United States. Governor Andrew Cuomo plans to sign an executive order directing all non-essential businesses to implement work-from-home policies with exemptions to shipping, media, warehousing, and groceries with their supply chains. Retail shopping malls and entertainment venues are to be closed. 
All schools in the state are now closed until April 1st. Bars and restaurants are now closed with the exception of takeout. All local governments are to reduce their workforce by at least 50 percent. In New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio has closed all bars, restaurants and entertainment venues. No gatherings of more than 50 people are allowed and a long list of guidelines have been suggested for businesses on how to handle the outbreak. So far in New York State, over 3,000 cases of the Wuhan coronavirus have been confirmed with over 20 deaths. All right, so Shannon, we're going to toss this to you. I don't have an opening question, all right, because you are living through this. And just to put this in perspective, it, it has been, um, I mean, the amount of deaths in America so far is an insignificant number. Not that anybody's death is insignificant, but when we're talking about from a public policy standpoint, and again, this, is, this isn't a medical show. So it's a public policy show. And from a public policy standpoint, the amount of deaths in America from coronavirus are, are statistically in, insignificant. However, over 80% of them have occurred in one of three places, Washington State, California, and New York, with Washington State and New York overwhelmingly higher than everybody else. And then California is in third place. So you are in one of the hot zones for this. Just You've already touched on some of the other, uh, some of the aspects of what life is like there, but give us a broader look. What what is going on in New York State right now? Okay, so maybe so that um, your audience can kind of understand uh, what happened here. About a week ago, life was normal. Um, about a week and a half ago, maybe you know, life was completely normal, and um, the just the the speed with which they have shut this state down is somewhat breathtaking. But um, as you know, you, you pointed out in the montage, the, the grocery stores are closed, businesses are closed, families are essentially locked into their homes. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how they're doing this in, in the city. I mean, I live in a suburb, a village, and in New York State, and we can at least, I mean, people are, are walking around, they're walking their dogs, they're in their front yards, we're still allowing the kids to play, but no play dates inside any of the houses. Um, we're getting an onslaught of, of emails from teachers and, you know, administrators and work. Like everyone is at home and it's just like this massive, uh, it's this massive, you know, uh, cyber shift where everyone is emailing, um, trying to kind of uh, get work done. Uh, businesses are already are already collapsing. I mean, there's no way there's no way there. I mean, they're talking about this persisting through July, 45 days till we know whether or not, um, you know, the, the the death toll or the 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 scope of the the epidemic is is declining. And by that time, I mean, it, it's it's going to devastate the economy. You know, everyone is on, uh, you know, edge here. Businesses have gone out of business. Um, they're passing an enormous amount of legislation at the state level. In a variety of areas, they're doing um, special supplemental nutrition programs. They're doing emergency food assistance. They're going to assistance. They're going to be, um, you know, issuing unemployment. I mean, it's just, it's a it's a disaster. It's like every I can't even you cannot even keep up with with what they're going to do next and when the next shoe is is going to drop. And so it's just where I think I mean at least for me it's still it still feels like we're just shell shocked. And I'm afraid. I mean, I have this. I, I have this feeling, and I'm and I'm wondering if this is going to expand to other states. Like, if you guys are going to be at this point in in two weeks or three weeks, if it's if this is going to lead to a, a you know martial law, like a literal shutdown of the entire country. And I, you know, I guess what I want people to understand is that what's happening here is not right. 
but the hysteria is su it is at such a, a level that people are terrified. It's it's just a, it's a bizarre situation to live in, and all of it based on on questionable models, questionable science. But it's almost as if none of that matters. It's just the hysteria the hysteria sets in, and so. Um, I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord and trying to kind of wade through this day by day, but, um, it's difficult. I mean, even the media, um, companies are shut down. Uh, everyone, even, you know, on the radio stations and the television statement stations are working from home except for essential personnel, which would include, um, I would be that I'm on, on air staff, but I can, I can work from home, but the essential staff that's saying they have, uh, they have FEMA cards. So they had to be issued FEMA cards. So I mean, I don't know where this is going, um, but when everything is dark and everyone is isolated, I know that is when really bad things can happen. And so it's just scary. Gentlemen, you have any reaction to what we just heard from Shannon? Not so much to the specifics, but to Shannon, how, how none of that is remotely hyperbolic. That is unvarnished truth right there. Because Shannon, to her great credit, has been consistent as long as she's been on this show about her level of disdain of, for the game, the actors in it. And uh, she could have. Uh, and all of us, uh, there's a level of theater into covering the nonsense we cover on a regular uh, basis. And we have fun. But you can sense in Shannon that at ground zero there that this is that there's a great unmooring taking place. This is not a time... Uh, uh, for trifles. I, I sympathize greatly with her because we talk on and off there all the time, uh, the four of us, about what's going on in this world, what the breaking point is going to be, who's capable of withstanding it and airing the truth. So uh, my prayers are with you, uh, Shannon. Um, stay strong and uh, preach the truth wherever you can. Aaron? Yeah, I think this is an example from, you know, what we heard from, from Shannon of uh, having your eyes wide open and choosing prudence uh, than panic. And, you know, in, in Shannon's uh, situation where she's a, a broadcaster in New York, she's sensing she's sensing there on the ground a, a great, as Todd called it, a great unmooring. And so instead of, uh, instead of you know, whipping, whipping that up more into a panic or, you know, the, the, the need that she's feeling uh, right now is to, you know, uh, try to try to comfort people and just keep the keep the eyes wide open and that's your her audience i should say and that's yeah. you know that's a uh that's a that's a good thing for for where they are at right now i would say but it is i mean i've said this multiple times um the last 72 hours or so it's like it's like november uh november 9th 2016 all over again it is it's weird man it, it just everything, you know, the day after that election, did, did that just happen? And it's like, it's like, uh, I bring this up quite a, quite often. It's like in Lost, when they, when they keep skipping through time, it's just, you, you are disoriented. You are completely disoriented. You don't know when or, or why or where you are. It feels like that, and it can mm -hmm. when you don't moor yourself back to, to something that that uh, that remains consistent, like our faith. But um, it is it is interesting to hear these stories. Interesting in a kind of a morbid way to hear these stories from around the country, kind of like Shannon's. 
Let's get to the exit question because I think it'll prop a little bit of additional conversation. On Monday, the White House put out a 15-day plan that kicked in a lot of what we've seen this week around the country to, quote, flatten or level the curve, depending on which expression you're hearing the most of. So at the end of these 15 days and two weeks, what is more likely to happen? An attempt at a formal national quarantine or life slowly returning to normal? What do you think, Shannon? I'll let you go first. Um, I honestly have no idea. You know, I have this, everything that happened in New York has happened so fast and it's been so coordinated and the talking points and and the shut, it's almost like watching a a big, large factory in a movie just shut down what, you know, one area after another, after another, after another goes dark. And, and so the fact that it could happen in New York state in the blink of an eye in the way that it did, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the entire country or even the entire world was dark in the next two weeks. I'm just being honest. And and I don't, why? Is there really a coronavirus? Is it really a, a threat? I, I don't know. I mean, but that wouldn't surprise me. You know, you all know my cynical side that, you know, talks about how a lot of this is scripted. I mean, it's not lost on me right now that there's an enormous amount of federal and state legislation being passed, everything from jailbreak, releasing criminals to, um, you know, paid family leave. I mean, there's a, a lot of stuff that is happening quickly in response to this, and I'm, I'm paying attention to that. But I really am sitting here, right? I can, I, I'm 50-50. It, it wouldn't surprise me, and that's why I, I want, you know, I think I said to you guys um, a little bit earlier, you have to prepare people for this, like warn people of this, because, because if you don't think it can happen in your state, at, I can't believe it's happening here. Okay. Aaron. I think it's much more likely that things start to return to no- normal. I think that's I, that's where I'm at. I'm just I just I appeal to um, the western western decadence that I've talked about earlier this week that too many people at least at the rate at which this thing is progressing now, too many people are going to miss their accoutrements. Okay. By that time. What do you think, Todd? Same, unless and until you and us and a lot more people get the thing you've been asking for. They need more. If they get more, it's a different question. But based on what we have right now, I'm with Aaron. Let's get to issue four. At least try to make light of a very, very disturbing and serious situation. Let's go to your coronavirus comfort food. In the midst of our apocalyptic hellscape, comfort foods may be harder to find, but if the movie Zombieland taught us anything, it's that there should be one delicatessen prized above all others, Twinkies. I mean, we've got a theater in Des Moines, or in Iowa, that's owned by an Iowa family, the Fridley Theaters. People are so joneses for movie theater popcorn, they're doing drive-ups and nice. deliveries. <laughs> All right? If, you want your, if, you, nice. if you're at home, you got to do the Netflix and chill, they will, they will deliver the, the, the pipe and hot movie theater Does popcorn. Does it cost $500? <laughs> Probably, I did, yes. I didn't realize that was an Iowa family. Yeah, it's an Iowa family, the Fridleys that own that. I thought that, I, I thought that it was. Anyway. Really? Yeah. Huh. So what is your, what's your social distancing snack of choice, Todd? Well, uh, this is the time of year, temperature-wise anyways, where my evening, uh, not every evening, but my drinking habits go from red wine to beer. 
Okay. So a uh, big IPA guy. So um, just bought a 12-pack uh, of uh, a new IPA never had last night. Had a couple of those. Very, very tasty. Aaron? Yeah, I mean, you appreciate uh, this sucks for you because you just if, if you would have known this was coming, you'd have put off marriage for another year because this is a shut ins ultimate <laughs> ultimate heyday. Right. This is the salad days for a shut in like you No, And now no. you're married. You're totally screwed. You got to actually be around somebody no, when you're when you're staring down the apocalypse. It's it's kind of nice to have somebody there by your side. Somebody to share it with. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, I no. If it actually was the apocalypse and, you know, basically a post post apocalyptic. Uh, hellscape, then I would totally go for the Twinkies. I'd go for the donuts, anything that I can't eat, because my likelihood of carrying on a long life is probably nil, so might as well eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, But that's not where we are right now. Uh, I'm not a huge sweets guy, but holy cow. Uh, Bella has gotten me me, um, one of those big family-sized bags of peanut butter M&M's. A couple of those bags now. Those are good. Oh my goodness, yeah, those, those are good. So I'll just I'll stick with those. You know what's not that good? It, it, sometimes two things that you love when you mix them together, like mac and cheese pizza, is not that good. Okay, mac and cheese, very good. Pizza, phenomenal. Mac and cheese pizza, not really. Bella made some mac and cheese tacos the other day. Was that, that good? Was amazing. Okay, I could see that being good. Um, hazelnut M and M's. I'm thinking, dude. What? Hazelnut, because uh, what is that spread that my kids love? That's made out of hazelnut. What am I thinking of? Nutella. Nutella. Nutella yes, I'm thinking basically it's going to be feel like Nutella or taste like Nutella you know, filled M and M's. Not that good. Shannon, quickly, what's the comfort food over there uh, at the Joy household right now? Well, it's just me. Everyone gets mad at me, but I've been known for my unrefined palate and SpaghettiOs all the way. That a girl, wow. America that stands is, that's, in wow. New York as long as Shannon Joy is <laughs> in was, the kitchen. I was concerned when I saw her wearing a Puma sweatshirt like she's just lost it she's watching premier league soccer she's gone euro on me but when she just said i am injecting spaghettios mainlining them that is the ugly american white trash delicacy we were we were all here for thank you for restoring our faith we want her on that wall yes we need you on that wall yes so let's get to our predictions now anything you want Aaron, your prediction, go. So I think by uh, by the middle of June, we will be at least three quarters of what we lost in the stock market, and things are going to be back almost almost to normal by the middle of June. Wow. 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 All right, Todd, what do you think? When and if high school sports get back, it is going to be an opportunity for people like to really remember, like feel the dreams, why we do this. ESPN is going to do everything it can to broadcast track and field, soccer, whatever, just to get people watching sports again. Those are two. Well, soccer is a spring sport here in Iowa, but it and it's going to be glorious. I think we're going to remember why we do this, why we love it. It's like Little League World Series for everything, I think. Yes. All right. Shannon, what say you? Uh, I predict a baby boom in New York State post coronavirus. Oh, that's about this. That's one of the safest picks Mm -hmm. anybody's made. In the history of this segment, is that yes? I'll get back I mean, in the I, game. Sure. I mean, nine months from now is what December. Yep. Right. Boy, I mean the yeah. December OBGYN and pediatric right. units and prenatal units are going to be losing their damn minds. That's what I well, predict. What the devil meant for evil, God used for good. Amen. Right? Amen. Right. There you go. I'm going to predict that the 2020 Major League Baseball season 
decides to begin Memorial Day weekend. Given the significance of what that holiday means anyway, um, and um, there's a lot of symbolism where that is concerned. I'm going to predict that that's when the 2020 Major League Baseball season begins is Memorial Day weekend. Shannon, please keep us up to date on what is going on there in New York State, and we will do our best to shine the light on it and uh, have you guys' back, all right? Good to see you. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Don't wear a Puma sweatshirt next time. It scared me. Well, I, I got the sweatshirt memo. You All guys right. always wear sweatshirts on Friday. You can wear a sweatshirt. Just have it like be, well, there really aren't any American brands. All right. So go ahead and stick with the Puma then. You're right. Okay. They're as American as any of the rest of them are. All right. We're going to come back and do a little feedback Friday right here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. We're going to let you have the final word when we come back for our final hour in a moment. On the Blaze Radio Network. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And we are back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Happy Friday to all of you. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. You can also like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, thank you. But please consider leaving us a five-star review. We're probably going to need as many of those as we can get, given the trajectory this show is on. Um, we're, we're likely to be comprehensively shadow banned at this point. But don't, that, don't worry, it's okay. Because the same Google running all of this and Apple running all of this, you're supposed to be giving them your medical records now to save you. So that sounds great. Is that bad? Could be. Doesn't sound like Skynet or anything. Not, not at all. Not, not, not at all. But please uh, keep those five-star reviews. Please keep those coming because the more of those we get, the more likely we are to get to find more people like you and therefore get to continue to do this for a living. Let's get to Feedback Friday, brought to you by our good friends over at Riduzone. Reality check. Now, it was already 10 minutes ago. It was a great time to take control of your health. But now... You can't do anything about not doing it 10 minutes ago, but you can do something about making sure you do it in the next 10 minutes. Go to riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. It has the, it's the only FDA-approved product that has OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you limit your cravings and portion sizes so you can limit your calorie intake and get that lifestyle change because it's not what you're eating, but typically how much. Now, again, if you're eating, well, Steve, I only eat 2,000 calories a day and I'm 350 pounds. And those 2,000 calories are, are all been barbecue chips than it is what you're eating, <laughs> all right? I always feel like I need to clarify that. It is what you're eating then if it's 2,000 calories only. That's the, uh, and I use that because that's the USDA's recommendation that like almost no one can live on, all right? Um, but uh, it's 2,000 calories daily and it's all barbecue chips, then, then yeah, you're, you're going to be unhealthy, 
Okay. But uh, typically, though, for, unless you're doing something extreme like that, it is not what you're eating, but how much. So get those portion sizes and cravings under control with the help of your friends at Riduzone because dieting alone is really, really hard. And then it's hard to stick to it once you have success. That's why so many people go up and down all the time. And working out is great. I'm a workout guy, but it's better for your overall health than just mere weight loss because ultimately you cannot outtrain a bad diet. So live healthy with Riduzone, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com. And you get up to 65% off when you go there and free shipping as well, Riduzone.com, if you use the promo code Steve. Well, let's get to some feedback that you have sent us in recent days. Gentlemen, you ready to go? Always. Yeah. Aaron, this first one is for you. Oh, no. Aaron should change the bit in his montage from speaking Spanish today to speaking Chinese today. I think we did that one time. Uh, maybe time to make that permanent. What do you think, Todd? I think it's actually a great idea. Yeah. Remain flexible. I think all languages need to be at our disposable. I mean, I'm into diversity here at the Steve I, Day I, Show. And people know mm -hmm. that about you. Know that you are, you indeed are the, the, the show representative on it's, and champion of diversity. We know that. Yeah. Yes. Diversity and there's a desire. There's a, there's a diversity of plain colored sweatshirts that you love to wear here to the show, right? Yeah. A diversity of those. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Diversity yes. and pliability. Todd Erzin. Yes, no doubt. That's what uh, my wife says. Faster than you can say magisterium. He's all about <laughs> diversity and pliability. You betcha. All right. How's that Latin mass going, brother? Exactly. All right. Uh, let's go. This one from is from Devin Getz. All right. We're going to get more serious now. You guys ready? Probably not. He says, I'm just an orthopedic surgeon. So not as well trained in epidemiology as the experts that have provided these recommendations. Having said that, and looking at a lot of the data, here is what I believe. This virus has the potential, emphasized potential, to be about two or three times as bad as your yearly flu. It does not have the potential to be as bad as motor vehicle accidents or cancer or dementia or even degenerative spine disease. Because of our incredibly aggressive media, our White House and White House medical advisors have been pressured into being very proactive and very aggressive. In order to flatten the curve, our lives have been changed in an incredibly dramatic way. And our country is being cost trillions. The people who will be hurt the most are the most vulnerable already. The people who are living paycheck to paycheck, well, them too. Here in Des Moines, we will not be allowed to do elective surgery for a month so that we do not use up ventilators and equipment that might, emphasize, might be needed. If we were to have a spike in coronavirus incidents, then guess what we would do? We would cancel elective surgery and other elective medical visits in favor of treating this virus. I could obviously be wrong, but I predict that we are hurting massive numbers of people in order to prevent hurting a few. Have we ever heard of the government doing that to us in the past, changing the laws to help a few at the expense of the many? In the end, our faith in Christ is all that matters, so I very much appreciate what you and Todd and Aaron are doing. God bless. Keep up the great work. Thoughts on what Devin had to say? This is the exact point. We were all, I was getting at a week ago when we had the letter uh, writer uh, talking about his 85-year-old grandpa and said the same thing. We all, love, I loved my 73-year-old father. Exactly how far are we as an entire culture willing to go to put on the brakes of all of our lives to minimize the maybe threat to a very specific uh, part of the population. 
And why, if it is this population, why weren't we from the get-go saying we need to quarantine these people because we love them, mm -hmm. they are at threat, we will do the extra work, we're happy to take on burden on, on their behalf. That was never, ever, ever a part of this dialogue. Why? You are asking the right questions. No, the dialogue was shut down everything that essentially makes the American way of life unique in the world. And it reminds me very similarly of the conversations I've mentioned I've had I had years ago with global warming alarmists when I wanted, I decided, hey, let me take this seriously and start asking questions. And what I found over the course of time is there is some legitimate concern, no question about it. And we have made a lot of reforms along those lines in this country the last 30 years and probably are the best in the world without using nuclear energy, which we should be using more of. But without going to nuclear energy, like what the French have done, for example, we're probably the best industrialized nation in the world when it comes to carbon emissions. Countries like China and India are, are it's not even close, the level of pollution that they're responsible for. And yet you don't see conferences at the UN calling China and India into account, do you? We don't, we don't see all these envir en environmental groups going nuts on China and India. Who do they go nuts on? Us. Well, then I'm left, it reminds me of the clip we played on, on Fake News or Not this week when Greg Gutfeld said at, over at Fox, when he said, if you're booking Anthony Scaramucci then you, uh, to talk coronavirus, you don't care about coronavirus. This is a political narrative for you, right? Similarly, if, if, if your issue with carbon emissions is the United States and China and India, like what you see with Michael Bloomberg, for example, and China and India are a no-fly zone for you, you don't care about carbon emissions. You just hate the American way of life. You're anti-Western civilization, and this is a camouflage, a mask for you to not have to just come right out and say so. I mean, even on Wednesday, the president was still answering questions from the media about why he was referring to this as a virus from China, taking far more questions about that than he is the stuff that will act, that we, dude, this president needs some skeptical questioning in my view, okay? And any president in this situation, I should say, any president in this situation should be getting some skeptical questioning. Yeah, he just he just declared himself a wartime president. No doubt, the equivalent. So yeah, yeah. So, but but under the banner of hey, can you show us more evidence that that this level of intrusion in our lives is really worthy? Are they asking those questions? No, the questions they're asking are why are you racist for calling it the Wuhan flu? This is the stuff of children. In fact, it's beneath the dignity of children. Oh. Children ultimately will, will force you to be honest with them when you ask them to make great sacrifices. We're not even doing that. We're not even doing that. Yeah, the character was not suddenly going to change in a crisis. Now we're seeing the char character of the press that has been fleshed out for how long now? And you're really going to find out how magical and uh, not broken journalism truly is. Yeah, and and I I really appreciate the emailers, um, the emailers comp uh, comment that this has the potential, operative word there is potential, to be however many factors times worse than the seasonal flu. Well, every cold, every flu, every strain, uh, depending on the conditions and where it is located, it has the, the potential to be worse uh, each year. That, that's what viruses do. They, they mutate. And it is it is um, it, it's almost laughable, and that's another story about uh, trying to wait 18 months, 18 months for a vaccine. That's what we're being told for a vaccine when most people will probably get it by then. And by the time the vaccine is done, the virus will have mutated one or two times to something else as well. And so it doesn't make that doesn't add up. 
So the potential, the, the potential itself. Let's let's give it the worst case uh, scenario. If if the potential for this is two or three times worse than the seasonal flu, why don't we do this for the most impacted age groups every year for right. the seasonal flu? Why don't we do that? Right. There's no good answer to that question whatsoever. Uh, no, there aren't. But it, these are the kinds of questions that should be getting asked, as opposed to why do you persist in calling it the Chinese flu? But here's the reality: is a lot of your corporations and media and th that um, your media entities belong to. The Chinese have huge uh, share stakes investments in those companies, and so that's why. That, that's that's why. I, I wish there was another reason why. That's why. You know, I mean, on we on on Wednesday afternoon, the president finally said they're going to turn away asylum requests at the border. So you mean similar to what we said about Mike DeWine defying the courts? You mean we could have done this a year ago? Why? Ten years ago? Then, then what, why did we let all of that human trafficking, all those op opioids, why did we let the, all the drug cartels, then, then, then why did we do that? Again, there aren't any good answers to this. There aren't. But we need to get to them. There's a lot at stake here. Sean writes, I am deeply troubled by the limitations that are being announced to limit normal free behavior, the sports restrictions and non-such. What I also find disturbing is just how meekly people seem to be accepting all these limitations and the reactions that have ensued. I understand some of the thought processes behind it, mostly through some sort of twisted good intentions. However, it is troubling that so many of our freedoms are being so freely surrendered in the name of a slightly more deadly version of a cold. I am very disturbed by the precedents that are being set in all of this insanity. Please continue to pursue this. It needs to be pushed out there loudly. Thank you, Sean. Um, and, and that's exactly why we are doing what we are doing. And I'm, I'm reminded of something that um, I think we talked about this privately off the air, but didn't bring it up on the air at the time. So I'm going to go ahead and bring it up anyway. And, in, and a friend of mine um, who is actually it was Daniel Horowitz said this to me. Hope you won't mind me telling you that. Um, and and as I'm guessing most of you that watch this show know, I mean Daniel and I are good buds, and Daniel is Jewish. And and he was talking about the uh, the he had the rise of alt right anti semitism among you know a young group of uh, right wing males. And, and he said this to me, he said, you know, the number one thing just beyond, we've always put up with Jew hatred. Jews have always had to face that all, you know, forever. He said, just beyond the normal, there's always Jew hatred in any culture. It's just a matter of what form it takes, right? What form of anti-Semitism does it take? But beyond that, he said, I think the conservative movement, he said, has, has, and the Republican Party have helped fester the growth of this. Because he goes, when I, when I, he goes, I, I go and see what some of these, what these guys say and write. And he goes, I actually agree as a Jew. I agree with some of it. Okay. Um, from a certain, from a certain perspective, because a lot of their frustration is they're looking since, since the modern conservative movement and Republican party gave up on an existential debate with the American left. And the conservative movement traded it in for owning the libs and clicks and Fox News gigs. And the Republican Party traded it in for, you know, big fat checks uh, from corporatists on K Street. There really isn't an outlet to go after the hijacking of your civilization. And so, you know, if you don't provide a, the right meaningful alternative 
for people to dissent. They will create counterfeit versions. They, they will, they, you know, the center won't hold. The, the, you know, if you don't create an open market, a black market will emerge. That's, a, that's human history. That's human nature. And he said, I think, I go, he said, I think what's drawing a, 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 another generation of these young men into this alt-right anti-Semitism is they have this, they're looking, they, they're blaming it on people like me for what's happening to their culture. Um, and, and, and they see that these alt-right nationalists are, are willing to stand up for this stuff. So they're willing to go to them for speaking up, even if they don't necessarily agree with the anti-Semitism stuff. And it's helping them to grow their ranks. And there is precedent for that. If he's right about it, the, the, the old nation of Islam, uh, the, 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 you know, uh, the black Muslim movement, Malcolm X, that, that group, they would often recruit in prisons and use race baiting to get black Americans to convert to, they weren't really Muslims. They have like a separate religion. Like Islam does not rec consider the Louis Farrakhan and a, 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 a you know, a caliph or a, a head of the church. Islam doesn't consider that, but that's, they would, they would, they would, you know, they would go in there and use race baiting, you know, to recruit from prisons to get Black folks to abandon, you know, the Christian faith that they grew up with in, in grandma's house and and join up with, uh, you know, their fake prophet Muhammad and Louis Farrakhan instead. And that's kind of what Daniel is alluding to with, with the rise of alt-right national semite or alt-right nationalist anti-Semitism, right? Along those same lines, if if we don't ask these questions now, if the time comes here and it won't take very long, we are a nation of very short attention spans. I'm giving it like a week or two. I'm serious. Not much longer than that. The idea that the American people are just going to say for 18 months, we're going to live like, no, they're not. First of all, I don't even think that's instinctively they would do it, even if they had the evidence on one level. Keep in mind, we are a civilization that dispatches our children when they're inconvenient for us, right? And so now you're going to tell people that for 18 months, they have to get, live, their, live different lives for the elderly. I highly doubt they have that well, patience level. Number they're not one. doing it down now. Look at the beaches in yes. Florida, and then look at the people lecturing us. They yep. just send everybody out to vote. Yes. They're not doing it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't see it happening. And so my concern is if we don't have these questions answered now, that eventually then this goes. We get we are a very passive aggressive country right now, and so this goes from complete passivity, and and everyone has to do this, otherwise you hate America and you hate your grandparents, right? In a week or two, you're going to see, and you're already starting to see as this week goes on, okay? I, you know, five days ago, the Wall Street Journal type of Republican would have called me a conspiracy nut job. Now they're writing stories saying the stuff we were saying five days ago, okay? The last 24 hours, it has bloomed. Yeah, you're, you're going to see and bloom more, all right? And so eventually people are going to be like, enough. And then just as it spontaneously got passive, it will spontaneously get aggressive. And people in mass are going to say hell to the no. You know and especially like right now around a lot of the northern states and a lot of the, the Pacific Northwest and the east and the Atlantic seaboard, it's 45 degrees. It's your typical late March ugly, right? What about end of April when it's 75 degrees and they tell you you can't take your kids to the park? And and you and you're not watching paddy wagons pull out of the hospital down the street every day. People are going to say no. And then the government's going to have to decide how it will respond to that. And then we'll see how the people respond to how the government decides to respond. And that, folks, that's when the Joker says, this is when the fun begins. Okay? 
I don't want to see that happen. I, I would prefer right now, while we are somewhat passive and calm, that we start asking the aggressive questions. Because then the pendulum will swing so far, people won't even care what the answers are. They'll just, enough, enough. Give me my life back. I saw this in the judicial election when we went after the judges. And this was 10 years ago now. When we first started that campaign, I mean, I would get long probing questions on my show. Me and Bob Vanderplatz would go out and speak and people would ask these questions and they'd be very skeptical. It didn't sound right. By the time we got to the end of the campaign, people, I mean, I, I remember the last campaign stop I did Someone stood up first. I said, hey, I gave I gave like my cliff notes. So, you know, it took at least 15, 20 minutes um, a description of, of how this works, why it's legal and why you should vote against these judges. And then I would always say any questions. First guy gets up. And, and most of the time people would be like, uh, just they're trying to compute it because it's so different from what they had heard. Right. By the time we got to the end of that race, I remember the last stop I did, I asked a person was at a pizza ranch here in Iowa. I can't remember where. And I asked him, well, okay, I, got, I did my normal elevator pitch speech like a candidate would. And I said, hey, any questions? First guy jumps right up and he looks at me in a packed room and he says, just a, just a good old Iowa farmer, man, salt of the earth. Paul Harvey was, was writing hymns to this guy, to this. I mean, he's right out of central casting. And he gets up and, his, oh, and he literally is wearing freaking overalls, man. And he jumps up and he says, I don't, I don't care if it's legal or not. I, those people hate me. I'm sick of them telling me how to live my life and what's right and wrong. And we just all go out there in November and just stick it to them. And the place went freaking nuts. I never got applause like that. Like I'd give like these elaborate explanations. I'm like, I was like Han Solo. Sometimes I amaze even myself. And the, okay. We got to the end of that though. People didn't care what my explanations were. They were just pissed. Somebody do something about this. My concern is if you leave people in a tinderbox for a week or two where they're insulated and feeding the worst of each other's instincts, and then it's week three or four, and they're not seeing any kind of mortal cliff, I, we all know how they're going to react to this. And the government knows too, which is why in most states, except for the most statist places like New York, like here in Iowa, our governor, Kim Reynolds, kept putting out encouraging proclamations. Hey, we just kind of encourage you guys to do this because they know. Why did they do it that way? Because they know. They know. Put people through a few weeks of this. A few weeks of people realizing, hey, that $1,000 a month I'm getting won't even pay for my mortgage for the next six months, let alone the groceries on top of that. Eh. Am I wrong? Am I being paranoid? Or is that just forecasting how history usually uh, proceeds in such situations? Oh, you're dead on. You're dead on. And, well, like I said, the, F Florida is so instructive. I mean, based on what we're being told, Florida should just be a smoking hole of disease in the ground. Based Here's on why. Number two elderly population yes. in the United States, only West Virginia, which is, I think, the only state that still has yet to report a case. Does that change now? As of earlier this week, I know they had okay. one. West Virginia's number one, Florida's number two. Those are the two oldest populations yeah. in the United States. Nobody put the brakes on spring break. Those beaches were uh, absolutely full. They did not stop the election down there. I mean, based on the, the, the 
the deer in headlights fear that everybody has, if that place in two to three weeks is not a smoking hole in the ground, everybody's going to say, like, I, why am I canceling my entire life? And why don't we live in Florida? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's what I've been... I've been thinking as well. I think it's I think it's kind of a melding of of these things. I, I, I'm hinging more on the on the decadence though of our culture. It's it, it's kind of like um, it, if you're a kid at Chuck E. Cheese's, is that the way you say it? Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. Chuck E. Cheese's. Yeah. If you're a kid at Chuck E. Cheese's, uh, you are having yourself a ball. You're just going to town and you are playing every game. It's your birthday. You're playing every game when you want to, whenever you want to. You're doing whatever you want to. But the people in charge say, little Timmy, um, you can get back to doing whatever you want and just go into town uh, as much as you want and enjoying the largesse and blessings uh, that it is to be here in this in this beautiful facility. But you got to stay in line for just about, I don't know, uh, let's say for an hour. Or else you're not going to get to enjoy this at all ever again. And little Timmy stands in line, and for you know the first five minutes, you know what? This is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all right. But uh, then the you know the authority comes back and says, okay, if you don't stay in line, you're going to die, and a lot of other people are going to die. And little Timmy's waiting there, surrounded by all this decadence again. And little Timmy doesn't start to see people dropping dead. He doesn't see it dropping dead. And by about maybe the 15-minute mark, he says, you know what? This is BS. I'm just going to live. You know what? Yeah. The virus can get me yep. uh, if it wants to. That's that's We are addi- addicted to our decadence. That's what's going to... That's what's going to turn this the, the tide of, of public sentiment on this. You know what? I want to get back to partying. I want to get back to making money. Um, if my job is still there, you know, that's what's going to turn that tide, I think. More than anything. Skylar Wolf writes, I know you've mentioned the number affected in Italy relative to the entire population. What would be more interesting and relevant, I think, would be to look at the number of cases requiring hospitalization according to the baseline number of available hospital beds. I have no idea what those numbers are, but as a physician, it seems like that is what most are worried about here. Apparently, the rate of serious cases requiring hospitalization has thankfully dropped significantly significantly in the recent past from above 12% to 6% last I saw. My guess is this is not due to better handling of the cases or fewer serious cases, but greater numbers of mild cases diagnosed for reasons that we now understand. That's actually, that it, I shouldn't say actually, like I'm surprised Skylar Wolf is smart. First of all, has anybody named Skylar Wolf? been like the kid in class with the with the tape on his glasses that you beat up after school? No. Skylar Wolf is either the quarterback of the football team or that kid in school you hated because he was good at everything while he was nice to you at the same time, but I I repeat myself, right? That's what the name Skylar Wolf says. Like Skylar Wolf isn't, you know, isn't picking his nose in the 10th grade and eating his boogers. You know what I'm saying? That don't you think? Yeah. Isn't that cuz that that's like an ultimate cool kid's name, Skylar Wolf. It seems like he's like fighting crime at night in some sort of comic book stu- superhero. That's what Skylar Wolf sounds yes, like. Like yes, like what's his? Wh- hey, where's he keeping his nights? What Matt? Yeah, exactly. What's the name of his of his alter ego? Well, to answer your question, Skylar, uh, about six days ago, uh, Italy's uh, Department of Health told the New York Times that approximately ten percent of the cases in Italy required hospitalization. All right. That was a week ago. 
as of yesterday, uh, or I'm sorry, as of Tuesday, I'm a couple of days behind here. As of Tuesday, the total number of people in Italy in hospitalization for coronavirus, because they were in serious or critical condition, as of Tuesday, those numbers were 2,060. 2,060 people in Israel, I'm sorry, in Italy, were in, uh, were in, were hospitalized, serious or critical condition, all right, because they're reporting mild, serious, and critical. That's what they're reporting for corona cases, okay? So, that, and that's assuming that all of those people were hospitalized that are in serious and critical condition. I, I don't know if that's true, but I'm, I'm, I am trying to always estimate high, Okay, if I'm going to question something, I want to give it the most benefit of the doubt, especially something this serious, right? Okay, so 2,060 people as of 72 hours ago total. All right, so a week ago they said it was 10%. Now it's 2,060 out of 31,506 cases. So let's do some quick math on that because I should have probably done that before the show. All right, so let's pull out the trusted calculator here on the show. And we have 2,060 divided by 31,506. So this is as of 72 hours ago. You're right on the money, Skylar. It's 6%. That's what the number is. 6% of those who were diagnosed with coronavirus are currently hospitalized in Italy as of 72 hours ago. And for those of you wondering why I keep going back to Italy, because, again, I'm trying to overestimate numbers because, I, because I'm questioning it. I'm trying to give it the most benefit of the doubt. I don't want to do a straw man here. And Italy is the country that has the most issues with this right now in the West. Even though its population is older than ours, its population smokes more than ours, its country is less, uh, has, has, is, 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 more, is, is more like a San Francisco in many of its places than ours. I'm not going to factor any of those things in because the, of the of the possible loss of life, you always err on the side of the most caution, right? So according to Italy's own number 72 hours ago, the number from a week ago went from 10% of the people in Italy that were diagnosed with coronavirus were in serious critical condition to 6% as of 72 hours ago. And, and, and here's what that means for the entire population. That means 0. .0000, that's four zeros, 0. .0000034. Of the total population of, of Italy was in the hospital for coronavirus as of 72 hours ago. That's what it means. And and well, Steve, I just care about the survival rate. If this was if 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 this was a localized health issue, then the survival rate would be all that mattered, right? We've talked about that before. If you got pancreatic cancer, all you care about is what's the survival rate of other people that have pancreatic cancer. But we're but pancreatic cancer is not communicable. This is. And so we're dealing with a pandemic. So it's not how many people get it that compared to how many people in the total population receive it. Good questions. We'll come back. More of your feedback here on the other side on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Stay tuned. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. Following the truth, no matter where it leads, The Steve Day Show.
All right, back here to wrap it up, our final segment on a Friday. More feedback Friday here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. And just, just a little uh, word to the wise. We, we are, I mean, we're taking this day by day. We, we come in here on Monday, and we had a cliff situation in several America of America cities over the weekend. I mean, I, I would imagine at least some of our opinions that we're going to express on the show Monday might have a different tone or temperament to them. Um, than they do right now. And this is why we have continually said throughout this process of critical thinking to absolutely take the precautions seriously. You're already at home. You've got what the worst thing they can do is you're cleaner and your home is cleaner than it usually is. But there's nothing. Let me, the, the inner, the, uh, the part of me that has a little Danny Tanner in him sees absolutely nothing wrong with that, America. All right. So nothing wrong with that. Um, and take those precautions seriously. Keep up with your, uh, you know, with your healthy lifestyle, your vitamin C, your vitamin D. Keep doing all of that. Keep doing all of that. Worst case scenario, you just were made, this, this whole thing just made you really health conscious and taking seriously, um, you know, the, the body that God gave you. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I just wanted to, I wanted to remind the audience of that. And then secondly, just as throughout the course of this week, we've been reacting to information, new information that has come to light that we've discovered or researched. We'll continue to do that no matter which way the information goes. I'm not here to cast a particular narrative. I'm here to find out if one is being cast upon us. Does that make sense? Totally. That's what I'm trying to find out. All right. Next up here on Feedback Friday, Dean Jones says, with this virus hysteria, we should see how easily we can be manipulated. I don't think the rise of an antichrist would be all that difficult to sell with pagans and some of the people that fill our churches every Sunday. You had mentioned the next time they will go further to control us. They are already doing this. First, the number of people they could we could, we could meet with was 250. Then it was 100. Now it's 10. When Moses was, was leading the Israelites, they were only to take a portion of the manna for their family. People nowadays are hoarding way more from the grocery stores. Thoughts on what Dean had to say, Doc? Have... Eyes to see and ears to hear. Just like every other day of your life, you're called to have before coronavirus. This is these aren't unique times of what we are called to do and be as Christians. So proceed as you were supposed to. And if you think this is unique times, maybe you weren't proceeding as you were supposed to beforehand. Just. Keep they're it. not they're they're not unique times for for the Christian faith. They're unique times for the American people. Correct. Right. But, but we but conflate those two things. Yes, all we do. The and time. Which is I knew you weren't, but that's why I wanted to draw that distinction for the rest yeah. of the audience. What, what if you're a Christian in this situation, what you are facing, the believers have been facing this since they were told that their Lord was dead and was never coming back. Okay. I mean, this is, and then when their Lord told them, Hey, hang out here for a few days and wait for the Holy spirit to show up. And they had no idea one in the Sam Hill he was talking about. All right. This is not a unique circumstance for, for the history of, of your faith. If you are a Christian, but if you're, if you're merely an American, this is absolutely brand new more. Uh, this is from Jonathan, who says, I applaud your constant asking of questions because I hate seeing a society of citizens in a republic such as this cede their liberty, that many, cede their liberty that, that many people claim they believe in when a virus comes around. The appeal to authority has always been a fallacious talking point, and I don't subscribe to it. Keep asking questions, brother. We need it. Push on. 
Thank you. I don't think that we need to add anything to that, Jonathan. That's very well said. And I love the use of the word fallacious. Cameron writes, I expect curfews are to offset the rise in crime and gives police the ability to stop anyone to check them. I live in Chicago, and I fully expect crime to be up with everything closed. You probably won't catch me out that late except to go grab takeout anyway. Cameron, you should be correct. Except in several of these cities, we mentioned a specific example of Philadelphia was one. There have been others that have said they're, they're essentially going to decriminalize a lot of things that they view as nonviolent crime. So, um, you know, robbery, for example. <laughs> okay. So, Cameron, you should be correct. They'll all obey the curfew. Don't worry yeah. about it, Steve. And, and they're letting people out of prisons yeah. and, and, and jail cells in cities all over the country this week. Well, you, you, by the way, I thought we were to be quarantined. Is there a better quarantine in America? Is there a better is there is there a better social distancing in America than prison? Why do we send people to prison? Because they have they deserve to be so aggressively socially distanced from the rest of us, right? So let's take them out of that environment and and put them in into ours while we're all at home. And defenseless, and the cops have announced they're not going to go after them if they come after our stuff. You should be right, Cameron. Unfortunately, there's further details that indicate something smells rotten in the state of Denmark, yeah. man. Vote bed intruder. <laughs> nice. Marshall Kate says, first, let me state that I have not bought into any of the hysteria simply because the media has little, if any, credibility with me. Secondly, the hysteria is showing people that most other folks in the country are, are all too willing to give over their sovereignty in the name of public safety. Thirdly, I'm mystified by churches being so willing to close doors for Sunday services, as well as all activities, simply because the government recommends doing so. Where is the wisdom in giving Caesar all sovereignty simply out of fear? There are fewer than 200,000 cases worldwide. This, that was at the time of when he wrote this. I don't know what the number is today. I haven't looked yet. And yet this country, we're, we're saying that you can't have more than gatherings of 10. We are allowing control, convenience, comfort, and safety to run our lives. We are right now. But I don't think that will last very long. I don't. And for some of us, it'll be principle and virtue. And for other, others of us, it'll be the most basic carnal instincts that Aaron just described. But that will come together in a cauldron and people will say, I want my life back. Stop it. And we will see. I think, I think the next few days will be, as we get over the weekend, the first few days of next week, We've already, we were already talking, Todd, that you can see some of this pendulum has been swinging already as this week has gone yes. on. Um, if, if things remain about where they are at, then I think you're going to see the pendulum swing way back the other way. Well, the dots are, the fear is being set aside by the, and, and there's just enough dots to start connecting. And earlier in the week when Daniel said, you know, the a thousand bucks how far does that it yeah, I'd love to have a thousand bucks for whatever reason. I could do any number of things with it, but it I could make it go really fast, really fast. Mm -hmm. it, yet it's gonna to do that with everybody, it's just gonna cost so much money. And it's gonna cost and we've normally taken out a loan from the very country now that is responsible for doing this to us. 
people are just starting to realize the level of unsustainability on multiple levels that for the first 48 hours, understandably, even amongst adults, I mean, all our heads have been swirling. Steve, you admitted early in the week about what this, you know, this the way this is consuming us in terms mm -hmm. of problem solving. I mean, even you, a multitasker. I mean, this, this is, and this is a drip, drip, drip. 9-11 was different. Uh, uh, as, as terrible and awful as it was, the number of variables were far more focused. They were huge and gravitational. Here, they're, they're, which part of America? We, we got going pretty back to regular life pretty fast and on purpose because we could, but we wanted to make a point. Now it's the opposite. Like Agreed. all of regular life has drip, drip, drip being put aside and you can't imagine how we couldn't have imagined the day before that I was going to tell my wife, just like you did. I'm just reading the tea leaves here. I'm, I'm going to go out and get some groceries a little ahead of time because I'm just not going to be waiting in line for 10 hours. Mm -hmm. And every day we've had new realizations of the level of crazy. That's 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 different. And but now we've been living in that soup for long enough. People are starting to connect the dots and realizing even if this thing is bad biologically, our what we're the way we're handling it right now is unsustainable, no matter what. Yeah, I mean that's well said. I, I think that should be it's so well said. I wasn't sure where to go from here, <laughs> yeah. so I'm glad you stepped in. Thank no, you. I mean that that should be the main lesson. How fragile? How fragile really are we on multiple levels? Very on our apparently. institutions. Our institutions our psyches and that's probably the most disheartening thing about all of this todd earlier this week posted a a, a gif on twitter about hooking you know hooking into the matrix we're, we're doing that voluntarily oh yeah somewhere well yes that that cliff over there looks good and and the lemming ahead of me is just walking right up to it uh or, or we're sheep i mean sheep we've brought up that multiple times it is it is disheartening uh to say the least but it's not surprising because history has shown us that this is usually the the rule more than the exception for for humanity let's go on this is from courtney who says i'm a registered nurse in the new orleans area i like you am concerned about all the liberties we are losing i don't understand the hysteria based on the data and i'm afraid that when this is all over we won't be able to regain some of those freedoms we have willingly given over our mayor in New Orleans is banning the sale of firearms. Why is that something that is relevant to the virus? How is banning the sale of guns going to help people, uh, help keep people healthy? During Katrina, our government sent police door to door to confiscate guns. I'm not confident that we won't see that again. I pray people stay vigilant and don't let the government overstep. However, I'm afraid that we are nearing a point of no return. We, we are nearing that. We are. Um, the difference between this and Katrina is the cataclysm of that disaster was evident, evident. And that is a case now where survival is a priority over your freedom and liberty. Because if you're not alive, then, you know, it doesn't really matter how much freedom and liberty you have if you're dead, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's why we've used this phrase several times throughout the course of this week, is the juice worth the squeeze? And the phrase we introduced earlier this week, which is where does the science end and when and when does the worldview bias begin? Where where does the expertise end 
And when, and when does the, the, the panic propaganda begin? We need to know that answer. Now, I go back to what I said a few days ago to, to Courtney and everybody else. If we, over the next few days, if we experience what they warned us about, it's going to make several of the points we just talked about less relevant than they were at the time we talked about them, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you may not, you may not like your daughter's boyfriend and think he's really bad for her and she should never marry him, but if she falls down a well and she can't get out of that herself— and you're the only thing standing between her uh, and dying in that well. As you're crawling down there to save your daughter's life, are you are you thinking about her that that crummy boyfriend she has right at that moment? No, no, no. It's not even relevant. It's on your radar right now, right? So it's not that survival isn't isn't important or a priority. I just don't believe it's ultimately preeminent because we are, you know, as I've said all week long, we are here on this planet to do more than survive. Now. We can't do all the things that we are called to do on this planet without surviving. So it, it does matter. And maybe it is preeminent, I should say, but I don't think it is exclusive. The exclusive purpose, of, which is why you risk your own life to go down that well and save your daughters, right? Right. It's not the exclusive point of our, of our reason for being is survival. And so it's a mixture, Courtney. It's a ratio, right? And for all of us. So if we see the kind of cliff that they had warned us about, some of the points we've raised, while still valid, because it does speak to what will life be like when this is over, are not nearly as valid at that particular point in time. If we don't see that, however, then the points we are raised are raising are going to continue to be raised by others, and then other people are going to raise other points even more aggressively, uh, that there are some of their creature comforts and other things that they find meaning in have been taken away, and that's when things come to a head. So... I think these next few days will be very telling in terms of where this ultimately goes. You guys have any thought on thoughts on that? No, that needs a period after it. It's absolutely true. Agreed. Okay. Uh, Paul says, maybe we'll look back in a year or two and say we overreacted, but let's just hunker down and avoid extra content or contact. I'm not saying don't go outside. I went golfing with my dad today and I think it was fine. In fact, I think we need to find some ways to unplug from all of this. But let's avoid indoor confined spaces and crowds and do our best to protect one another. The economic fallout of this is going to suck, but we can't change that now. I'm always distrustful of government. I'm distrustful of their motives even sometimes. Hearing mayors say I can ban gun sales whenever I want to is unnerving. But is this really the time to fight these ideological battles? If they start violating our constitutional rights, then we talk. But for now, I think people just need to chill. We'll get to go out to eat, go to bars, go to games, go to large gatherings again soon enough. We can use this time to reflect, be intentional, reset our hectic lives, and evaluate our priorities. As Christians, we can take this time to reflect on our faith and where we're at in our own lives. Um, oh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Did you want to respond to that first? Go ahead. No. Why are you a no on what he just said? A lot of people are going to think that sounds reasonable. No. We're not. It, this is not the time to just chill. That has been... The Christian response in this country to all manner of viruses, and I'm ha I'm done with it. I'm absolutely done with it. We, we we need to move on to something far better than chilling. It did, which does not mean running out in the street and rubbing yourself with the coronavirus. That's not this it. But if a bunch of sixty and younger people got together right now in a restaurant, all would be fine. All would be fine. We're lying to ourselves right now because we're scared. I, I love you, brother, fellow Christian, but do everything other than 
just chill. Chilling has gotten us to this place in the first place. Yeah. Um, the The solution to this is not more fear or, or worst case scenarios. The, I, I don't know what the perfect solution is because guess what? Here's the main thing I think almost everybody misses. There is nothing perfect east of Eden. And the main thing driving this is this notion that we can control that or change that or have a perfect response or that we demand perfection. Guess what? That's not going to happen. I'm going to stop there because there's no way to communicate what follows without sounding really, really bleak. And I don't want to do that with a minute left on a Friday. Hmm. So then let's close with this since we're down to a minute. Take the precautions seriously. Okay. Wash your hands. Make sure your house is cleaned. You've sanitized frequently used surfaces and areas. Okay. Um, take particularly for the time being, take the precautions seriously. You've got nothing to lose right now anyway by doing that, all right? Hopefully you have a great and safe weekend. Hopefully we get to come back here on Monday. Until then, John 317. Listening to Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.